Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. I've got to get used to this like space here. Um, this is like a little closer than I thought it would be, and I, I need this to be really tall so I can see what I'm doing. Because you're really tall, yeah. Right, yeah. Tall girls, right. Woo! <laughs> Starting club. All right. So I I am super excited to be speaking today, and I'm very excited that y'all made you right here this morning, and um, we have been having an incredible series. The Breaker series has been amazing. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. It's like you come here on Sunday, and then every single day of the week, it just echoes throughout with more challenges and, and more more opportunities to, to just dig in. It's, it's so good. And uh, as we continue forward, it's like Matt likes to say, you know, new levels, weak the devils, and... We're, we're just here to get galvanized. We're here to get armed yeah. up and yeah. wrestle ready and prepped for whatever the enemy has. <laughs> we're, we're ready, okay? Yeah. We're, we're going to have him trembling in his boots. Yeah, come on. So um, let's start with the creed, the Breaker's Creed this morning, and then we'll get into this thing. And I will try to do it just like, like Matt does. All right? Yeah, so follow yeah, along, yeah, everybody. Yeah, the Breaker Creed. A Breaker is, is a child of God, a follower of Jesus, a temple a breaker desires the things above. A breaker understands the need for breaking. A breaker willfully gives themselves to breaking. A breaker seeks the anointing of God that only comes through the breaking of God. The breaker's anointing is the ability to break through any spiritual hindrance that would impede upon God's kingdom or God's purposes Father God, that any distraction would just fall away, that you, yeah. our eyes and our spirits would be centered on you, Father, that you would be pulling out of us, pulling out of us that gold and getting us ready, Father, for what you have to come in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So if you are taking notes this morning, hopefully you are, because as you go through the week, you can go back to this. The, the title of my, my message is The Breaker's Blessing. Ooh, come on. And uh, a few months ago, I got to speak about uh, this story from the Bible that, to me, I love. I love the, the story of Jacob, and especially the part where he literally wrestles a, a manifestation of God, the angel of the Lord. And I, I spoke about this at uh, team night a couple months ago, and the, good, the amazing thing about the Word of God is that every time you go back to it, you, can, you get more. Like, you get something more out of it. So I'm excited that as I knew I was going to be returning to this, it was, it was something different. It was something fresh. It was, it was something new to share with y'all. And if y'all don't know the story of Jacob, um, I'm going to tell you. So prepare yourself. It's story time. Jacob was named Heel Grabber. He was, a, he was a twin. And when Esau, his brother, who was born first, came out of the womb, Esau just put his hand out there and grabbed Esau by the heel. And Jacob's whole story is that he wants to be that firstborn. 
He wants the blessing that comes with it. He wants he wants to have it all. He wants the, the, the larger tents, the larger family, the bigger tribe. He wants more camels. He wants more goats. He wants all the things. So right from the very beginning, we kind of see this this character of, of Jacob just being very, very seeking after the desires of his own heart. So he grows up, Esau grows up. Esau is this big, like, big, burly guy, just man in the woods, loves bacon, very hairy, apparently. <laughs> Esau's very, very hairy, smells like cedar. And, what about know, Clover? He's just, yeah, yeah, Clover, exactly. And uh, Jacob is kind of described as this, like, meeker, smaller, hanging around the tent kind of guy. You know, he's kind of shifty, and um, they're just, they're very different. And his father is Isaac, and Isaac is Abraham's son. As we all know, Abraham was told that he was going to be a father to a great nation. He was going to have a son with his wife, and in their old age, they finally had the son, and that son was Isaac, and Isaac is the father to Esau and Jacob. And Isaac is, is really old, and he's, he's blind, and he knows that his time to go up to God is very near. So he tells Esau, go out into the wilderness, go find me some bacon, make me a really, not bacon, kidding, make me a really, my favorite meal, prepare for me this delicious feast, and I will give to you the blessing that is your birthright. Yeah. And Esau's like, yes, okay, goes out into the wilderness. Well, Jacob hears that this is happening, so he and his mom, which is wild to me, <laughs> uh, don't ever pit your, your children against each other and, and mom and dad don't get involved. You should be unified together. You should know what you're doing. She encourages Jacob to create this whole charade where he like makes himself hairier to feel like Esau to deceive his blind and dying father. Wow. What a guy. Stand-up citizen right there. So he does. He, he like somehow makes his arms as hairy as axe using some goat hair. And he, he deceives his dad into getting this blessing. And Esau comes back from the wilderness, figures out what happens, and is in absolutely enraged. He, it gets to a point where he's just waiting for Isaac to die, or Isaac to die so that he can kill his brother. And Jacob isn't dumb. I mean, you gotta be pretty smart to be that shifty. So he's like, wow, okay. Uh, Mike's I'm, it's about to expire here. I gotta get out of Dodge. So he goes to some family that's far away. And he thinks that fleeing his homeland where Esau is, is going to not only protect him and keep him safe, but that he will prosper in this new land. And when he is on his way to this new land, he actually has his first authentic encounter with God. He goes to sleep, he has this dream, and he sees this ladder. And in Genesis 28, 13, it says, At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust on the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north, and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to, the, to this land. I will not leave you until you have finished, until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Holy smokes. That's exactly what Jacob, the heel grabber, was trying to steal from Esau. That's, that, is the, that is the desire of his heart. 
is all of those things. And he has just created all of this extra trouble by trying to bring it about in his own time. Yeah. I mean, gosh, what, what a promise. That, that's incredible. So what, so he, again, he's fled his homeland. He's now going to this, to this new place. He's, he's trying to make everything happen in his own time, trying to force the hand of God. And what are the ramifications? What, is that, what does that look like to you and I? It's a nice story, but, but what, is, what could that possibly look like for us? How many times have we had the desire put on our heart from God, and we've totally gummed it up, not using his timing, pressing into it ourselves, trying to make it come about, right? Oh, Anybody? Yeah. Am I alone? Yes? Uh, totally yes. Nice. Totally done that. And, I mean, I, it applies to so many scenarios. I, I don't know what yours is personally, but it could be you're in a job search. You, you have a job, you hate your job, or your boss is weird, or something, but you know that you were called to that position by God. So what does that look like to force that, force that timing? It can look like quitting, thinking that you're going to find a job immediately after, being unemployed for eight months, struggling financially, that affecting how you feel about yourself and your identity. That can look like a season of singleness where God has has called you to something greater, that you are called to be with someone who you don't just find physically attractive, that's nice. But they should match you spiritually, they should be a helper and a partner, and you, you decide you don't want to wait. So you hop on the apps, you start listening to your buddies who are pushing you into to blind dates, and you you find your place where you find yourself in a place where you should be turning your your gaze inward and working on your own identity and or working on your relationship with God before you're ever working on that relationship with somebody else. Yeah. Does that make sense? Some of us have been there. I know it. I know it. Seasons of hardship, like what, what Jacob is about to experience, can be man-made. They can also just be circumstance in life. But we are called to weather the man-made situations, the circumstance, and the ones that just come about the same. Yep. The same. The, regardless of where the season has come from, we have to be centered on God, and we have to be leaning into his time. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's good. Now, these seasons can be very long and very tiring, and like Jacob is about to experience, he... He really gets himself into something, and it turns up to it turns out to burn up twenty years of his life. And um, he 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 has made an idol out of out of getting to this place where he has it all. Granted, the promise of God has already been given, yeah. right? But he's still burning himself out trying to get there. Yeah. And for you and I personally, that can look like diving into a relationship just after one has ended. And then we find ourselves making an idol out of what a relationship should be. We talked about idols last week, right? And dudes and babes crew, we talked about idols again. And there are so many different idols in our lives that where they take the place of where God is meant to be. And through control, we, we give this thing power to control us. So he's given his desire to have it all control over his actions, control over manipulation and the people in his life, control of the words that he's speaking, and it can look that way for us too. And sometimes it's even really hard to see in our own lives. Sometimes we have 
a, a sick family member and we're, we're doing everything to see that healing come for that loved one, but literally it's out of our hands and we're called to just wait on God and to be faithful and lean into his blessing and his healing, but we're making an idol out of control. Yeah. So we're finding another area of our life to control. We're, yeah. finding, we're managing this, we're controlling this. Yeah. It has to be on our own strength. You even make an idol out of our spouse even. Like when we first got married, that was something that I struggled with. I didn't even know what was happening. We can make an idol out of our spouse. And then when that person fails us, we are absolutely crushed. Yeah. Because we're not meant to be idols. Yeah. God is the only one who can hold that place. He's the only one strong enough who has the grace and the mercy to just flow. He is what we need in our lives. Not any of this other secondary um, roughshod idols. We don't need that. Yeah, come on. So back to Jacob, like I said, he has this vision, he gets the promise from God, he goes over into some territory where he has more family live, and he entered even like more crooked character than him, his uncle Laban. And he is on the search not only for this prosperous life and the desires of his heart, but he, he wants a wife. And he sees this beautiful gal, Rachel. She's got all the curves in all the right places. And he's like, hot dang, that's the one for me. And he falls deeply in love. And it turns out that her dad is actually his uncle Laban. It's weird. Yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a thing back then. Uncles and cousins, you know, kissing cousins, all that. And uh, he, he tells Laban, he was like, I want to marry your, your daughter. And Laban's like, yeah, sure, of course. I want you to be happy. I want you to have it all. But I want you to do seven years hard labor before I let you marry my daughter. And Jacob, he's, I mean, he's just so in love. He's like, you got it, I'll do it. So he does, and it says in the Bible that it just goes like that. It just, it's like, it just flies. It's like a week and not even seven years. And he does seven years hard labor, and then it's like my big fat Greek wedding, like that kind of issue ensues. And all the stuff starts going wrong. On his wedding, he, he gets a little show-wasted. And uh, wow. he winds up in the tent with somebody who's not his wife. And he wakes up in the morning, and it's Rachel's sister, Leah. And uh, he's like, what the heck? I married some gal that I, I didn't want to marry. Like, you, you fooled me. And it turns out that Laban was just like, you know, Leah, you're, you're going to marry Leah before you can marry Rachel. So not only is he married, like, in spirit, he's also married to her physically, and he's freaking out. Then Laban tells him, he's like, no, 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 be calm, be calm. I will also let you marry my daughter, Rachel, but you have to work seven more years hard labor for me. And he winds up burning 20 years of his life working for his uncle because he... He just, he could not align himself with the will of God. He could not align himself with the, the time frame that God had for him or the place that God had for him. He's just struggling to make all this stuff happen. And some of us are like, dang, 20 years, that's, whoa, that's a long time, especially in, like, normal time. They were, like, living to be 100 and some years old back then. And so maybe 20 years wasn't a whole lot. It sounds like a lot to me. I worked on a farm for 10 years, since I was 12 to when I was 22. And uh, yeah, that's, it's hard work. It, it's not easy stuff. And this was like, this was every day of his life that he was doing this. And some of us are like, how can, how can God let that happen? Well, God let it happen because Jacob made it happen. Yeah. Like he, he made this situation. And not to say that God isn't in it, because God is totally in it. 
He will work within our circumstances that we mess up for ourselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Amen. He, he works all things to the good of those who love the Lord. Yeah. And he is still working right now, even though Jacob is being a, a doofus. So whenever I preach, I always have like this, I always have this other thing that kind of like marries to what I'm talking about. And I told Matt that um, when I was preparing this, I was like, I don't know, man, I, nothing's coming to me. Usually it just comes like so naturally. And he was like, well, you don't have to do that every time. It doesn't have to like be a thing. And I was like, no, no, like it feels like there's something there. It, it feels like there's something there. Like, and I was praying about it yesterday morning, and sure enough, it came to me. And I have been watching, this is probably weird, but I've been watching all these old Jacques Cousteau videos. Does anybody know who that guy is? Oh, yeah. Anybody? Yes. yes? Two cool people in the room? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so he was this, he was this uh, French guy who was a, an explorer, and he was very popular in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and he actually um, did all of this traveling and research that... Uh, explained and explored a lot of the ocean that we had no idea about at the time. So he, he bought this retired naval vessel, named it, painted it yellow, named it Calypso, and he just traveled all over the world and was and was um, exploring. He actually invented the Aqualung, which is the subcutaneous underwater breathing apparatus, the scuba suit, right? Because before they just literally had this boat and this generator that would generate this air down this oxygen down this long long tube and they could only go down as long as the tube would and they would literally be like breathing off from the tube right so he created this thing and they soon realized that when they go from the deep deep ocean depths and they they came back up to the surface some weird stuff would start happening in their body and it would actually change their body chemistry and i have a little bit here that says when the pressure on, around a diver decreases, like on ascent, the nitrogen starts coming out of the tissues back into the bloodstream. However, if you reduce the pressure too quickly, if they come up too fast, the nitrogen starts forming bubbles in the tissues in the bloodstream rather than through exhalation, causing de decompression sickness or something called the bends, which sounds really pleasant. Um, because of this occurrence, divers in the 70s had to spend hours in a decompression chamber so their bodies would be acclimated to the current environment and they would not die or become permanently or gravely ill. Wow. So, that being said, when Jacob decided to steal that blessing that legit was already his from Esau, God had already intended for him to have it. And then, because of his actions, he went into a decompression season. Does that make sense? Yeah. When God was trying to condition his spirit to be in the right place for his blessing to be received. Wow. Yes? That's good. Can you imagine the jump that we would get it up to if we weren't ready to receive the blessing that God has for us? Yeah. And we just got it? Yeah. yeah. The, the ramifications of uh, the symptoms from the bends, if you don't go through decompression, are joint pain, fatigue, back pain, paralysis, numbness of arms and legs, weakness, numbness of the body, dizziness, confusion, vomiting, ringing in the ears, head and neck pain, loss of consciousness, and death. So what are the ramifications of not operating in God's will or time? Selfishness, deception, immaturity, lack of wisdom, living without vision, lack of hope, living without truth or peace. And that's just a short list, right? We need to have a number of this stuff worked out of us before we're even in a state or a condition to receive 
that blessing. Yeah, that's great, Adrian. If we if we have a call to that there's a blessing of riches in our lives, of finances, which we all do, by the way, um, and we are not conditioned before we receive that blessing, what happens to it? We can be selfish. We can be greedy. It can become an idol in our lives. It can. It, it's supposed to go out and to bless others, and we're just keeping it for ourselves. And before we know it, we've exhausted that seed that we were meant to plant yeah. for a great harvest. Yeah. Another example could be we decided to rush the dating thing. And we, we wind up married to someone who we, we barely even know. They said that they love Jesus, and it turns out you're married, they don't have an authentic relationship with Jesus, and they're deceitful, potentially even manipulative, and what was a season of singleness and was dark and was hard has now become a whole new world of pain in a married life, in a married situation, yes? Yeah, that's good. The decompression season, I get it, it's not always fun. It can be very hard, it can be very tough, but the good news is, like, we don't have to go through it alone. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It took 20 years out in a field of hard labor for Jacob to go through his decompression season to be ready to receive that blessing. The alternative of not killing yourself for 20 years out in the field is working within the will of God, allowing his time to be what you're living by, to spiritually acclimate you for what he has to do. So Jacob, you know, he, he gets married, in the beginning, running from Esau. Then he gets married, and he winds up fleeing from his uncle, even. So this is the decompression season, where he, he's supposed to be getting conditioned and prepared to be ready for this blessing. He winds up running from his uncle because he did some really shady stuff with like um, goat breeding and it's weird. And, and, uh, <laughs> and it's interesting, you should go read it. But he, he kind of does some shady stuff to increase his flock, right? Because back then riches was like your, what you had, your animals, your, your, your land, your whatever. So he kind of does some shady stuff. So again, he's on the land. But this time he's with his whole entire tribe and family. He's running. So he, he has fear on both sides, and he's caught right in the middle. He can, he can either be subject to whatever Laban's going to do, or he can return to his homeland and potentially be murdered by his, his brother, who is probably still angry after 20 years. So even though he was in that season, he still winds up messing it up. We arrive at the breaking place for Jacob. Yeah. He knows that God has a promise for him. He knows that God has promised to protect him. And even still, on his own actions, he sends a bribe ahead to his brother Esau to try to like schmooze his way over there so he, he doesn't get murdered. And instead of just trusting the Lord. So what does God do? Does he abandon Jacob? Does he does he abandon his chosen one and, and take back the promise that he he gave him? No. God doesn't do that. He's not he's not like a human being where he would he would just take something away that he promised you. His, his promise still stands, yeah. even though Jacob yeah. is walking in denial of that promise. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Jacob finds himself alone with a physical manifestation of God. So that doesn't terrify you. <laughs> uh, that would be pretty scary to me. And, and it's often referred to the angel of the Lord. So we, we, we hear about the angel of the Lord um, many times throughout the Bible, and he looks, he looks like a man. I'm sure he looks like a shredded man because they're about to wrestle. Yeah. And, uh, and there's Jacob, and there's this angel, and wrestling ensues. 
And again, Jacob is kind of dense, so I don't know that he like fully recognizes that this is God. You know, this isn't just some random homie walking out in the wilderness who's just gonna wrestle you. Like, this this is God. This, this is happening. It's going down. And uh, I don't know if, if you've ever thought about wrestling God, but I've never wrestled God physically. I've done a lot of spiritual wrestling, a lot of mental wrestling, and my whole life I kind of thought that wrestling with God was a bad thing. Until this incredible, amazing, very wise woman, Jody, told me that wrestling with God is not only natural, yeah. it's necessary. Yeah, it's on. necessary for us to wrestle with God. And when we are in a season of hardship, we know and that we know that there's a purpose, a healthy wrestling with that purpose of that season will show us what God is trying to accomplish. Yeah. It's good. It's good to wrestle. It's good to say, why is this happening? It's good to, and maybe that looks like different stuff. Maybe it's, maybe it's screaming in a car by yourself and you're wrestling and you're angry and you're telling God about it. God's big enough for that. Maybe maybe it's it's oh my gosh, I don't know. Screaming sounds good to me. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm angry, that maybe that is what wrestling looks like. Maybe it's getting on your knees or just laying on your face before God and just saying, What the heck are you doing? Right. And dialoguing and just saying, I don't understand. This is breaking me. Yeah. Like what is going on? Can you reveal to me? Can you show me? Can you tell me? Get in the Word, and He will reveal it to you. He will reveal it to you in part. Amen. Or He will in, reveal it to you in, in a whole. If you are in a community, there are so many people here that you can share it with that will be able to speak life and new vision over what it is that you're experiencing and help you get to the place where you need to be. Do you believe it? Yeah. This room is filled with people who have been touched by that kind of vision casting. I know I have. It's amazing. It's so good, and it's so, so necessary. Yeah. Super necessary. <laughs> if we aren't questioning the ways in which God is trying to grow us, we could be in us in that one place in that one season for a very long time. Yeah. And we don't want to be as dense as Jacob. We don't want to be there for twenty years. Yeah. Questioning and seeing the purpose can help us move in the direction of completion, wow. even if that completion is internal and grants us peace and strength to weather a hard season. Another thing that I want to talk about as we get into the wrestling match with God is to be primed for wrestling. To be wrestle-ready. Jacob spent 20 years working hard labor. That homie was shredded, right? Like, I don't mean like he looked like The Rock. I mean, like, he was like, you know, like, well-grit, shredded, just, just tight, hard, muscles like iron. Like, he was shredded. He was wrestle-ready. Yeah. And he, he was conditioned to be ready for that wrestling match that was coming. That he didn't even know it was coming. And we need to be that way too. Yeah. Because on the other side of wrestling is our blessing. Oh, come on. Yeah. Say it. Yeah. So on the other side of wrestling is our blessing. Come on. So how do we get wrestle ready? We have to become a Holy Spirit heavyweight. It's not just yeah. a cute shirt. It's a real thing. Yeah. And we've got to be conditioned for the wrestling. We need our spirits to be absolutely shredded. We, we have to be fed up with the protein that is the Word of God. We have to be in community because iron sharpens iron. We need to be devouring our Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, the whole thing, 
daily. That needs to be a daily practice. If you want your spirit to be shredded and your mind to be nimble and sharp, you have got to be devouring your Bible. Wow, come on. And we, we talk about prayer at TakeOver, obviously, a lot, because it's something that we believe in in full. But that doesn't mean that we don't constantly get a new revelation of how powerful prayer really is. Zach is talking about prayer after service. That is huge, and we believe in it because we've seen it. It's not just like faith where we have to... If we have to believe in the things that we're not seeing, we're actually seeing these things come to pass. And our spirits have got to be conditioned in that same way. We have to be prayed up, we have to be beating on our chests, and we need to be able to rep the burdens of the world a thousand times over because that is what we're called to be inside. We are yeah. you can be you can be soft or a lady or whatever, but inside, freaking Hulk Hogan up in here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Kiss those muscles, baby, because that is what is up. Come on, come on. You need to be galvanized by the word of God, armed with the Holy Spirit, having eyes to see the great spiritual battle that is taking place right now all around us. I know that we can walk through life and we hear that there is a battle that is greater than what we are seeing that is happening, and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a thing. We don't see it. It is so real. It is, it is on and in our lives and on people in our lives every single day. Yeah. And sometimes getting on your knees is far more powerful than going out there and waving a sign or getting in a fist fight with somebody for Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It says in 1 Timothy 8, 4, Bodily fitness has a certain value, but spiritual fitness is essential both in the present life and the life to come. There is no doubt about this, and Christians should remember it. It is because we realize the paramount importance of the spiritual that we labor and we struggle as we do now. The fact is that we can do very little with our physical bodies to stir up heaven, but we can do everything with our spiritual bodies to stir up the heavenlies. You said it again. The fact is that we can do very little with our physical bodies to stir up heaven, but we can do a whole heck of a lot with our spiritual bodies to stir up heaven. Yeah, that's good. What we do with our spiritual body actually counts. So Jacob squares up with this angel, and the wrestling happens. And they wrestle, and they wrestle, and it goes on for an extended period of time, but it gets to a point in the wrestling where Jacob should submit. He should submit, but he doesn't because he's not very, he's dense. <laughs> so he goes through this long season where God is trying to condition him and teach him. Yes, he does get wrestle ready physically. Physically, he gets wrestle ready. But when it comes down to the point where he's actually engaging God, they're locking horns, and it comes to a breaking point where he needs to submit. What does God do? He wounds him. He wounds Jacob to make him submit. People are like, whoa, holy cow. God wounds Jacob? Yes, he does. It breaks Jacob down to a place where he is able to receive God's blessing. It says that he touches his hip and a muscle there shrinks. And that can happen for us spiritually like it happened for him physically. Where it, it just puts him on his knees in a place where he has to submit in order to receive. Yeah, true. All Jacob's life, he was the chosen one. The blessings were meant for him. 
And he, God wanted him. And he tried to do it on his own strength. He tried to get there on his own strength with lies and manipulation, sacrificing others. He would do anything to get there. He spent so much time running from the face of God. All God wanted him to do was to turn and surrender. Surrender, surrender his pride, surrender his arrogance, surrender his plans. And that's what he's calling us to do. Surrender your control. Surrender your Facebook. Surrender your Twitter. Surrender your politics. Surrender your fear. Surrender your desire to be in control of it all. Surrender your, your strength. Surrender the bottle. Surrender the pornography. Surrender the crutch that has become mental illness. Let it go. Give it to God and watch what it is replaced with. Watch the blessing that comes on the other side of surrender. There is so much more. There's so much more. He is waiting. He is wanting. And he will wrestle you. And if you do not listen, he will wound you out of a desire to save you. Yeah. And I will say that again. Yeah, come on. Without you telling me to. Go <laughs> he will wrestle you. And if you do not listen, he will wound you out of a desire to save you. Yeah, come on. So Jacob becomes wounded. And by that shrinking of the muscle in his hip, and he finally surrenders to God. He changes his name, God changes his name from Jacob to Israel, the actual namesake of God's chosen people. And out of his lineage, his sons become the 12 tribes of Israel. That's how for real this thing is. And another thing that just blew my mind when I was reading about this is the wrestling that Jacob does with the angel is metaphorical for the Jewish nation wrestling with God all throughout the Old Testament until we get to the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus. That is when that cyclical thing is broken off for the very last time. So out of his lineage, Christ is born. The hope for all mankind, the end of death, and the hope for life with God eternal finally happens. And it all starts with him surrendering. God has made a deal with every single one of us. He's put desires on our heart, and we are meant to lean into his will and work in conjunction with his timetable. Yeah. Are you are you still struggling? Are you are you still fighting him? Are you are you still wrestling? Do you find yourself at a point where nothing is changing? That could be the point where you're supposed to submit. And submission can look like a lot of different things for a lot of us. Submission can be Literally just stopping. Stopping what the world is telling you to do. Stopping what feels natural, what the world would encourage you to do. Stop, 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 stop. Stop controlling. Stop trying to be in charge. Stop trying to lead. Stop trying to do this on your own strength because there's a superior leader. There's someone who is stronger. There's someone with more guidance and more wisdom than you could ever, ever experience. And he is just waiting for you to stop and surrender. And if you truly have the courage to ask God, what do I need to be surrendering right now? He will tell you. Yeah, come on. He will show you. Come on. It could be a relationship. It could be it could be a, a drug. It could be a part of your life that you're unwilling to let go right now. It could be it could be brokenness that you you just you've been carrying for so long and you don't know how to surrender that. He will show you how. So he good. will show you how. It's so good. And to share to share a personal story, um, 
and the worship team, y'all can come up here, a little bit of an early day, but to share a personal story this weekend. Um, this, what I was preaching about was actually brought into a totally new perspective for me, personally. Um, when, I, when I made that heavyweight, the Holy Spirit heavyweight shirt, I was like, this is a cool design. But there was a part of me that was a little afraid to wear it. Because I was like, that's heavy. That's like a for real thing. Yeah. Putting that on your body and taking on that title, that, that's for real. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm doing this thing, but I don't know that I deserve to wear that yet. I don't know that that's, that's the level that I'm at. And I know that that can sound silly, but the that made me realize that there was something with my identity that God was trying to pull out of me that wasn't quite, quite in order. There was something that needed to be surrendered. Yeah, yeah. And you'll you'll hear me and Matt talk about playing in church. It has been extremely challenging for me personally in different ways. It's been it's been very challenging. Yeah. I have experienced such love and fulfillment and this community alone and seeing the love of God move and flow and, and change people has been incredible. I've also had my heart kicked around like a like a straight up. <laughs> I, I have had people walk all over my heart and all over my, my good intentions and, and the purity of my, my desires for them to to know God and to experience love. And that for me has been absolutely crushing. And I found myself in a place this weekend where, because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I had opened myself up for that kind of wounding again. And, and it had happened, and I was like, what the heck? I, I, I was hurting so badly, and I, I was just like, God, I did the thing that you told me to do. I did it, and here I am again. I'm in this place again, I'm wounded, I'm hurt. And, and Zach came over, and he, he prayed over me, and Matt prayed over me, and then Zach told me to pray over myself. And I was, when we started praying, I was sitting there like I felt. I was in this fetal position, and it was, because I, I felt like painful. I felt like broken and heavy. And as we were praying, I felt God tell me to sit up. To sit up straight and tall and regal and, and strong. Because that's what I am. Yeah. In Christ, that is what I am. Come on, come on. And I, I'm not someone to experience visions. I'm not. But I, I, I saw this vision of myself as Joan of Arc. <laughs> <laughs> Armored up and with this flag. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. I wasn't sure if it was my AD or if it was the Lord. <laughs> because sometimes I get distracted and I was like, yeah, yeah. And I, but I was like, okay, okay, I received that, I received that. And then I saw my feet gauntleted in this armor walking through this field of roses and just crushing the crap out of the roses. And I was like, that's weird. Also, maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. But as I was preparing this message, as I was, as I was praying over what that meant to see myself in that way, armored up, galvanized, wrestle-ready, I was walking through a field of roses, crushing every thorn that would hope to pierce my heart and pierce my spirit. And he was saying to me, you're shucking off those thorns. This is the soldier, the warrior that I created you to be. And that goes for every single one of us. I don't know if you'll see yourself as Joan of Arc. 